I'm talking with Peter Jasek. Peter is the author of In Prison with ISIS, Faith in the Face of Evil. And Peter, on our radio conversation, we had to uh, leave at such an important point, and that was the persecution that you were facing 445 days in a Sudanese prison, unjustly accused of espionage. Uh, We didn't get to talk much about your actual release, so let's talk about that here in this bonus conversation. Peter Jasek, by the way, Peter's on the line with us from Prague, so you are Czech. Um, I'd love to hear you pronounce your name. Yeah, actually, we say Petr Jasek. That's how we pronounce it, but you can stay with Peter Jasek because everybody calls me like that in America. (laughs) You know Americans. (laughs) We're a little lazy when it comes to uh, learning those pronunciations, but I'd love to hear your name in your native tongue. Well, Peter, let's talk about this release. Uh, You suffered so greatly in prison. You lost uh, weight. Your health was terrible. You were beaten by the other prisoners, these members of ISIS that were your cellmates. How did your release come about? I mean, you were given a life sentence, right? Yeah, I was uh, sentenced uh, to life imprisonment, and my two Sudanese colleagues were sentenced to 12 years, uh, and we were then transferred to the one of the strictest prisons, the Cobra prison in uh, Khartoum. And, um, you know, I was treated, uh, when I was admitted to prison like a life sentence uh, prisoner, you know, uh, they took uh, 12 times my fingerprints, you know, uh, unlike my uh, Sudanese colleagues who were only taken maybe twice or three times for me, I was considered really a dangerous person. And, you know, I have already shared, you know, uh, maybe one or two lessons, you know, the the Lord's strengths in uh, my mm-hmm. weaknesses, you know, the power of prayer. And also one of the important lessons that I've been learning uh, uh, even before I was imprisoned, you know, because when people will start reading my book, Imprisoned with ISIS, uh, Faith uh, in the Face of Evil, from the fir- very first page of reading the book, they will realize how miraculously the Lord was preparing me for this time in prison. So you will understand uh, the very important lesson that I could start learning even before being in prison, and this is the sovereignty of our Lord. And I could see it, you know, I already told you that uh, I intended to, to stay there for four days, and uh, four days became 445 days, but I could clearly see the sovereignty of the Lord uh, throughout these 445 days, and it actually culminated uh, at the moment of my release. Imagine that in the Al Huda prison, there was a prison chapel, and I could for six months uh, preach in the prison chapel to absolutely hopeless, desperate, and forgotten people. And, you know, of course, we were followed and uh, surveyed by the false brothers who were reporting about what we were saying in the chapel, but uh, they could not stop, you know, it is illegal to uh, to share the gospel with Muslims outside of the prison. It is illegal inside the prison. So you do know, you mean that there were actually men who oh, purported themselves to be believers were actually spying on you. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we could find that out easily because when they were asking about the Christian faith, they usually had some uh, side questions about uh, the reason why I was arrested, why I was sentenced to life imprisonment. So you're onto their game. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they asked me about some photos that I took, and I clearly could see that they could never come with such questions uh, uh, without being inspired by secret police before. But, you know, I, uh, I was, I was having this 
five months without a Bible, when I was just deepening my prayer life and my faith got strengthened. After that, I was in the second solitary confinement and I had my Bible for three months. And I had in solitary confinement, imagine you don't have to do anything else for three months and just read your Bible every day <laughs> from dawn to dusk. And that was a preparation and the sovereignty of our Lord, what he knew was, was followed, to be in six months in Al-Huda prison, huge prison, you know, where it could be 10,000 prisoners, and we were put into the cell with 100 other prisoners. And this was an amazing moment to see the Lord's purpose. And uh, it was like Paul when he says, pray for me in Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, pray for me that the Lord will give me the courage and boldly to preach the gospel in where I am in prison, because I am the ambassador of the gospel in chains. You know, we were also uh, ambassadors of the gospel in chains with my Sudanese colleagues because we were literally in chains many times. Whenever we were transferred, we were chained. Wow. Uh, and Paul says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 9, even though I am bound as a criminal, the word of God is not bound. And that clearly showed, these six months in Al-Huda chapel clearly showed the sovereignty of the Lord. But it is a funny story story, you know, how the Lord showed me that He's a sovereign Lord till the last moment in my Kobe prison before I was released. You know, it was on February 23, 2017, and uh, as I normally would do every morning, I was, uh, you know, walking around the little courtyard where we could walk during the day, and I was uh, rather sitting under the tree because of the sun, sun was quite sharp, and I could easily get sunburned. And I just finished reading that morning, you know, I, I love Psalms. You know, Book of Psalms is my most favorite part of the Bible, and I start reading Psalms every morning. And, you know, on that morning, I just happened to read the Psalm 126, which says, when the Lord has brought the captives of Zion back. We were like in a dream, you know, <laughs> uh, we were uh, filled with laughter, and people were saying, what a great things the Lord has done for you. And imagine, I just finished reading these wonderful words of Psalm. 126, and few seconds, literally few seconds later, uh, you know, the guards came to me and they said, Peter, you are getting released today. You are free. And they said it in English. So I was like, is it is it a reality? Is it a dream? I was like in a dream. My, my head was like in circus. And then when they announced it in Arabic, of course, the other fellow prisoners started to rejoice and shout. It is always a moment of joy when any prisoner gets released because hmm. all prisoners are given hope. Maybe yeah. next time it will be me. Even, though, so they, it, even though they had treated you so poorly, they rejoiced, they rejoiced that you were getting released. No, no, this was with other prisoners, not with the ISIS prisoners. Oh, I, was I see, okay. The, I was with the ISIS prisoners only for the first two months. The oh, rest I of see, the okay. Time, I was with maybe secular Muslims, nominal Muslims, uh, who were devout people, but they would never attack me. They were actually very friendly. Yeah. And so these people were, uh, and also the pastors uh, were there uh, that were rejoicing with me, and it also gave them hope that they will be released as well. Yeah. And they were actually released three months after me. So the Lord was showing me till the last moment he was in control. It's a great story. When we were uh, one day uh, in the last but one prison, in Al-Huda prison, where there was a prison chapel, I remember one afternoon we were sitting with the two pastors there, and we were just in complete agreement that 
we were absolutely assured that the Lord was in control. The Lord was the one who, when he opens, no one can close. When he closes, no one can open. And we we were so filled with joy because we could see the purpose being there to preach to absolutely hopeless, desperate and forgotten people. And we were not like the uh, traveling preachers who visit one city and, uh, you know, there is a time of uh, gospel crusade and they leave. We were living with these people. We could witness their lives being transformed when they got reconciled with God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a wonderful time. And at that time, when I was able to preach in Al Huda Chapel, I can tell you honestly that all my mornings, uh, sadness and depression disappeared. Uh, before that, I was almost every morning struggling, you know, and I had sometimes to declare to uh, say the Lord is my joy, the Lord is my peace, when I could not uh, really enjoy uh, the joy of the Lord, and I had to struggle, I have to uh, uh, really uh, uh, declare that uh, sometimes out loud before it became reality. But uh, since I was able to preach the gospel in Al-Huda Chapel, it, uh, the morning sadness was gone, and every morning was filled with joy and peace. Amazing. Uh, Peter, is there any sense in which you thank the Lord for the privilege? I know you suffered greatly, but looking back on it, do you see it as a privilege that the Lord enabled you to experience what you experienced, to identify with the Lord himself and his beatings, and now to have this message to carry forward? is I mean, that's a hard thing to say, but I'm suspecting that you feel that way. Yeah, you know, I have heard it many times from other persecuted believers, but from those who have, for instance, lost their family members, even from those who have lost parts of their bodies because they didn't want to renounce their, their Christian faith. And I have heard it from many times from them that they considered being persecuted for the Lord Jesus as a privilege. And that's how they understood. And, for instance, uh, uh, Philippians 1.29, when Paul says, it has been granted to you as a privilege not only to believe in God, but also to suffer for his name. But I can tell you honestly, at that time I was just kind of thinking, okay, they consider this a privilege. That's an interesting understanding <laughs> of this Paul's theology. Now you know. <laughs> I, I Now I know, but I can tell you honestly, when you go through this persecution, it doesn't seem like a privilege. I remember times no. when I was telling the Lord in my prayers that I don't want this privilege because it's hard to go through it. Yeah. But when it's over, yes, I can yeah. confirm firm that it, I consider it as a privilege. Well, I don't say that lightly because I know how much you suffered and I know how difficult it must have been. And, you know, and I, I've, I've talked with others who have been in this situation and everyone has a little different uh, experience with it, but it's so refreshing to know that the Lord can still work. What did Joseph say? You know, uh, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And that certainly is true in your case. And uh, you you're now are sharing this experience with so many others and identify with others who are being persecuted around them. This has been your ministry, and now you know so much more deeply how to identify with them. Absolutely, you know, and uh, the Lord also use, is using me now to encourage uh, the Christians who are still living in freedom. And yes. uh, remember, I said still living in freedom because we often take uh, freedom as granted. Oh, yes. But we uh, start to see now in Europe, uh, and I believe you start to see it in America as well, that our freedoms uh, are being limited as Christians, you know, because if we want to really uh, follow 
the God's word, the Lord's word, and we, uh, the Christian values in this liberalized society, uh, that's the danger that we can st- uh, start seeing persecution in our own lives. If we would still continue to say what the Bible teaches about the family, about the marriage, uh, that's the moment when we can experience persecution uh, for standing for biblical values uh, that we have known and received from the Lord. Well, Peter, God bless you. Um, I have a feeling this is going to propel you to even deeper uh, walk with the Lord and ministry in the years to come. And uh, you're still working with Voice of the Martyrs. What's what's your vision for what you'd like to do from here forward? Uh, you know, the, I'm uh, working as a global ambassador. I'm uh, 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 trying to be a kind of like a, a connection, you know, between uh, the uh, church that is still living in freedom and bef- uh, between uh, the persecuted church. Uh, uh, and uh, especially what I would like to emphasize, uh, the words uh, that uh, Sabina Wurmbrand, the uh, wife of Richard Wurmbrand, and that was one of uh, uh, her last words that I heard from her, you know, was uh, that uh, we should uh, have the fellowship with uh, the persecuted uh, church. We should have the fellowship with our brothers and sisters. And uh, of course, uh, my possibility to travel to certain countries is limited because of the unwanted publicity. But I am still able to meet with persecuted brothers and sisters, maybe in not in their countries, in their in third neighboring countries, uh, third countries, uh, and I want to be uh, to connect uh, the church that is maybe sometimes not even knowing how our brothers and sisters are suffering you know and uh, Paul says that one part when one part of the body suffers the whole body feels the pain and sometimes the problem of our societies uh, where we live in freedom we have no idea how our brothers and sisters suffer and that's the first purpose of the voice of the martyrs to be the voice of those voiceless people and that's what I'm trying to do now I'm traveling mainly in the countries where I can share uh, these news and the stories and testimonies about uh, our brothers and sisters and how they suffer with uh, uh, Christians who uh, will start maybe praying, uh, who maybe will subscribe for the VOM newsletter on uh, you know VOM's website, which is persecution.com, and who uh, will be called by the Holy Spirit later on to do some practical things uh, to show when they will feel the pain and often when I share testimonies and this is what people can read even in my book I share some persecution stories in this book by the way some stories that I shared even with the ISIS people uh-huh. and they will read about the reaction of those people uh-huh. uh, when they will hear and uh, read these stories and they will have tears in their eyes I always tell people when you have tears in, in your eyes when I share the stories of our brave brothers and sisters who went through this horrific persecution it's a wonderful sign that you belong to the same body. And that's uh, the sense of uh, the unity with our persecuted brothers and sisters. That's what I'm trying to uh, raise awareness of uh, when I'm traveling and sharing my story, but predominantly also sharing the stories of our brothers and sisters. Peter Jasek, the book is In Prison with ISIS, Faith in the Face of Evil. We'll put information about the book in our program notes here at firstpersoninterview.com. Peter, God bless you. I hope we can stay connected. Thank you. God bless you too.